Welcome, everybody, to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. I'm Mel, and today I'm joined by my Free Kick co-hosts, Liam and Jono, and also a very special guest, Azza. Azza, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are and why you're here? Look, yeah, thanks, Mel, for having me on the podcast. It's great to be amongst fantastic fantasy people here as we're talking about Port Adelaide, I believe. So to give people a bit of a background about me and who I am, I like to think of myself as a data storyteller. That's what I put on my bio handle because it looks nice and swish. But I'm a person that's really been diving deep into statistics, been a fantasy veteran for quite some time, but the numbers have really spoken to me over the years and being able to then look at those numbers and being able to give people a bit of better insights into fantasy and stats and whatnot. That's sort of what's driven me into that sort of path. And then it's taken me on a nice little journey to, you know, where I am here today to join you, uh, magnificent, wonderful people. You've been an invaluable resource for someone like me throughout our first season of AFLW, your, your Twitter threads on who's relevant and just some of the stats going around. But I also know that you've just started up a, a pretty new, exciting project. Do you want to run us through that? Yeah, so this is something that's very, very new. So something that I've wanted to do for a couple of years is really dive deeper into journalism and the data storytelling, as I've mentioned, and really focus on the AFLW competition. So last week I launched uh, a website that's dedicated to AFL news, stats, fantasy info, and a podcast and everything. And it's called The Dub. Hopefully it's a good name and people join in. But look, it is there as primarily as an additional resource for people to really engage more in the AFLW community because I do I do feel like there's not enough out there and this is just me trying to help grow the game. So the website is dub.com.au and also there is a, a Twitter page as well, the dub AU. Hopefully you know there'll be a bit more to come news and articles and whatnot, but starting off small and who knows where it'll take us. Yeah, that's really amazing. And it sounds like you've come to this position from a similar story as us where We've loved AFLW Fantasy and we wanted to help build out more resources so that more people can get involved and kind of lead eventually to more viewership and more engagement with the sport. And what you've just said resonates so closely with our kind of purpose as well. One very important question. Did you play Fantasy last year? What was your team name and what was your final rank? Oh, that is a great question. I'm not sure of my rank, so it can't have been good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, usually the team name that I go with, uh, I, I like to draw inspiration from obscure teams that have been found across the world. And there is one AFL team that exists in the US down in Fort Lauderdale, the Vampire Squid. So that's the team name that I've been going with for some time. That's, just, <laughs> that's a fantastic name. That's that something delightful. that I just love. Yeah, love, love to draw inspiration from. There is uh, there is so many other team names that just tickle my interest, but no, the Fort Lauderdale Vampire Squids, I can't lose this, so they've been my name for some years now. <laughs> I do That's love that. Amazing. I, love, I really love there are all these different AFL sports cropping up around the world. I was following for a while the Norwegian Trolls who would play against Sweden. Yeah. I, think, I think they had the least accurate game I've ever seen. I think they kicked zero goals 12 in one match, which was just so fun. <laughs> Yeah, and look, there are so many other um, teams out there. I mean, I actually had the opportunity to play for Berlin Crocodiles um, during a vacation 15 years ago now, and that was a unique experience because they are just the guys that love the game. And, you know, a lot of them are expats, but there's just so much fun to be had. And that's what, uh, you know, draws inspiration for the name, but also continues on my passion for uh, AFL content as well. I've got to be honest, I've been loving the website. We've been doing a little mm-hmm. bit of research on the Port Adelaide Power for, for today's episode, and I've been using it almost exclusively because there are so many good little insights in there. I think it's, it's always hard to find average tackles or, or average disposal efficiency, little things like that. So it's been really great looking through there. Yeah, and it's something that I have have found in the, the last couple of seasons that there isn't that many statistics that are out there from the AFLW perspective. The AFLW website does have a little bit, but they don't really go into a lot of detail in around the actual performances of a player. You know, you'll get the basic stats of kicks, handballs, hitouts, free kicks. But I want, you know, I was hoping to get a bit more. So I've been able to find some extra data that I'm making available for people. Uh, and especially, you know, as I mentioned before, the AFLW fantasy stuff, I feel is really important for people that are really just wanting to join the game and to do a bit more research on the side. Now, fingers crossed, soon to come that it won't just be AFLW, but I'll be looking, I'm hoping within the next few weeks as well too, to be able to bring some state league statistics and fantasy scores too for everyone to enjoy. Ooh, you, you heard it here first. 
That sounds brilliant. So yes, we are actually outside of that. We are here to chat about uh, Port Adelaide, one of the expansion clubs. So Liam, do you want to kick us off with their team overview? Uh, yeah, so the team overview, uh, we know that their coach, Arnell, one of the first, I believe the first uh, player who is now a coach of an AFLW team. And we know their captain, Aaron Phillips. But that kind of leads us into a, a more of a discussion about who we think Port Adelaide will be and what kind of success we think they're going to have. So open to the group, what do we think Port Adelaide are going to look like stylistically in uh, Season 7? We've got Lauren Arnell, who I'm very excited to see, the first AFLW player to turn coach. I'm very curious uh, as to what sort of game style she's going to bring to Port Adelaide because she's coming from a history of playing at the Brisbane Lions under coach Craig Starchevich. And quite frankly, the the game style that they have there is quite player-driven, which is something that if she's going to bring that across, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play that same contested footy style that they have at Brisbane. It means they're going to be playing whatever whatever game style works for the players that they have at Port Adelaide. Which is then quite fitting because they've brought across superstar Aaron Phillips as their main player and their captain. So it sounds like a match made in heaven that they'll be setting their team up around her. And you can also see that there is a lot of great experience from the state leagues as well too that they've been able to bring in. So they've got some great experience. Like in your, in your rocks, uh, Elizabeth Grey has plenty of VFLW experience. Um, they've been able to bring in uh, other players that have got some level of that experience, and that'll really help drive what the team makeup looks like as well, too. Yeah, I think the other thing that we probably need to chat about is where a lot of their list has come from from the AFLW. The key two pools that they've drawn from are Adelaide, for obvious reason, and then also the Gold Coast, who really tried to capitalise on only one team in Adelaide when they were coming up with their list a few years ago. But that now means that a lot of South Australian-based, oh, South Australian-born players are now coming back home. Azza, what do you think the impact of a lot of players coming from Adelaide will have on a game style with a lot of younger players? I, I suspect that they're not going to want to play a similar style. They're going to want to play their own style um, so they can easily diversify themselves from Adelaide. Yeah, they'll be bringing in a number of players, especially experienced ones like we've already talked about, Aaron Phillips, and she will have a lot to say about what that game style and game plan looks like. But ultimately, they're coming into a brand-new competition as a brand-new team. They're going to want to set their own identity, set their own platform to really push forward uh, in the competition. So I think while there is a lot of players coming from Adelaide, Gold Coast, as you've mentioned, they're still going to want to really hone in on a completely unique style to Port Adelaide and really try to bring that home throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing we we have to talk about when we're talking about a Port Adelaide is they've brought in a substantial amount of experience. They've got Aaron Phillips as captain, but they've also brought in Hannah Dunn, captain at the Gold Coast. I think they've brought in something like 300-plus games of AFLW experience into the side. So at the very least, they're not going to be too frazzled by the stage. They're not like some of the other AFLW teams, like, for example, Sydney, where they're kind of lacking in that substantial AFLW experience. So you could probably expect a pretty effective game style and potentially they're less likely to get blown out like you might have seen in other expansion sides in previous AFLW seasons or even expansion sides in AFLM as well. From our interviews that we've had with the existing 14 teams so far, one of the recurring themes from something like the Richmond or some of the teams that didn't start in 2017 is that moving up into AFLW is a whole new game and they kind of have a season or two of just absolute shock. They get used to being a, a small fish in a big pond, as we've heard a few times. So hopefully, given that Port have brought in so many AFLW experienced players, they kind of don't suffer from that same shock that we've seen happen a number of times. So let's go line by line like we've done so many times before. Starting with the fence. So do we know who's going to be in Port Adelaide's back line? We know who's going to play there. We're just not quite certain of their roles yet. So I'll just quickly run you through the players that we're expecting to start in their defence for their best 21. You've got two very experienced and strong key defenders in Indy Tahau and Ange Foley. They are probably going to line up as that shutdown key defender, but also a few of those intercept marks. Surrounding that, you've got Cheyenne Hammond, who is also quite experienced coming across from the Gold Coast. She can kind of play a tall or short. She's uh, sort of that medium height. 
And then from there, we've, we're looking at some of the smaller defenders. So one that we've or that we have expectations of, of playing there is Sarah Goodwin. She's one of the draftees for Port Adelaide. Uh, the other half back, it was probably going to be Cockatoo Motlap, but unfortunately she's suffered a bit of a finger injury. So we're expecting her to miss the start of the season. Uh, for the moment, we've thrown Justine Mules back there. Mules is one who can rotate between half back and wing, and we think is probably going to try and help drive them out of defense to start with. So I suppose my question, as we might throw to you first as the, the guest on our podcast this week, who do you think is going to be fantasy relevant from a Port Adelaide power defense point of view? Yeah, I think the big name that you have to talk about, I'm sure it'll come up a few times in this podcast, is uh, Ange Foley, the previous Adelaide player who is, you know, a good fantasy relevance. I feel she's probably going to be the most experienced player that they have in defense, that there's going to be a lot of youth that will lean on her and she'll be probably seagulling her way to a few points, I, I suspect. So I'll be watching her with keen interest from a fantasy perspective. Um, Liam, you had some insights there? Yeah, I think with with Angela Foley, she's someone who in her best seasons has pushed a 55, 56 average, but that was back in 2018 and then also managed to scrape to nearly a 50 in uh, 2020. The thing you might hit on there is obviously these expansion sides probably going to have the ball down in their defense a fair bit more. If you've got an experienced sure. defender who's taking a lot of kick-ins, if we see that kick-in role early, it might be that there's 10 to 15 points upside given she's going to come into the season, I think price at about 40 or the high 30. So it's not exactly going to be a, a prohibitively expensive player if you see you know, a lot of junk possessions in the way that they play. The problem we've got here is that the players that Port Adelaide have brought in, otherwise in their defense, they've got Indy Tahoe, Cheyenne Hammond. These are experienced players, but unfortunately not particularly fantasy relevant. They're quite solid defenders and they bring AFLW experience, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that 30 might be the highest average from the rest of their defenders. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. I think I'm looking at Indy Tauhau just an example. And I think last season, in her last three games, she she threw out a 44 in one of them in the preliminary final. But delightful. There was also a 16, a one, an eight, a, a seven during the season. It it definitely isn't the highest of scoring back there. I'd even say that Foley isn't someone that I would consider to be super fantasy relevant. I mean, just looking at her scores alone, not really considering how she plays as such, like a good spike above 80, not super consistent and too many scores close to the 20s for me to be considering her fantasy relevant. And she's probably the most relevant out of the back line, like you said, with the, the low kind of 30s. So Unfortunately, I mean, you know, we're really hoping, given that we don't know too much about Port, that we'd have some awesome stats and numbers that we can be talking through. But we've started off on a low point here because uh, the defence is looking super exciting. There's probably one player that is worth mentioning a little bit, um, and that's just because of the state league performances, and that is Shanae Hammond. I suspect that she'll be playing off that half-back flank and, Believe it or not, even though that she has had some prior experience in the AFLW with Gold Coast and hasn't really scored too well, her um, Sandful scores were really fantastic from a fantasy point of view. Yes, she only played the three games, but there was an 87, a 96, and 103 there. So I'm really going to be interested to see what um, she's priced at because that could probably be a pick to look out for in the defence area. But you're right, it's probably a little weak, but Hammond's... Probably the only other one aside from Foley I'd be really considering at best. Mm. We've got one of the two awesome last name, Cockatoo Motlap twins, probably going to go back in the defensive line. Does anyone know anything about these guys other than the fact that they've got a sweet name and every club has got a set of twins? <laughs> Well, they're actually uh, originally born and bred in Cairns, so they played for the under-18 Queensland side and then have moved down to Victoria to play in the, in the NAB League. Uh, they come with some great experience. Their uncle is the legendary uh, Sheikh Dr. Duke Collins, so there's plenty of football blood coursing through those veins. Not sure if they're entirely fantasy relevant. Unfortunately, their outputs at the under-18 champs weren't fantastic. Uh, Lapoya was probably the better of the two, averaging 38. Uh, AFL fancy points in their game. 38 and is the better of the two. That is, uh, that yeah. is unfortunate. Unfortunate. Who, who knows? You mm. never know. Yeah. No, it's a good question because I, I do feel like we've got some low scores here, but when you come into an expansion yeah. side, I feel like there's 
there's probably two types of players that we're looking for here, right? We're looking for the the draftees that are coming in, haven't played a game before and might burst on the scene from that basement price. Or we're looking for those who are probably underutilized at previous clubs and then sort of coming across and get the opportunity for a big role. But in the back line here, it seems like those uh, experienced players there have already had that great role. And so they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. The draftees that are coming in, there's options there, but it, it does sound like they're not necessarily coming with that fantasy experience. Taking our fantasy at off for a minute though, how do we feel this is gonna <laughs> how do we feel this is gonna impact Port as a team? Like the way they play. We've said they're a little bit avo from a fantasy perspective, but how do we think about them playing together? It's gonna be tough in their defensive line when you even look at them from the amount of games that they played. Believe it or not, five out of the eight players that are listed as defenders haven't played any AFLW games, which is slightly concerning. But while they have state-level experience and they've got other experiences in other areas, it's still going to be a challenge for them. And I think that's probably going to be the thing that's going to hurt them most as a team, that defensive area, which could really hurt them on the stats lines. But, you know, it's a wait and see. And we've got some practice matches coming up next week to look forward to. So I'm, I think that'll give us some really amazing insights about how that uh, defensive 50 works for Port Adelaide. Yeah, I think the only thing that I might add is that kind of piggybacking on the fact that a lot of their halfbacks look like they will be pretty wet behind the years. Whether or not they consider previously a mid or a winger like Justine Mules, who's played nearly 50 games at Adelaide, kind of put her on the halfback to hope to bring some experience back there. But as we said, at this stage at, at recording, we really know very little about the roles that players are going to play. It could be that it might actually be that the relative inexperience could be a real benefit for whoever ends up on kickouts and that key pivot. If that's Foley, that's perfect for us. If it's Mules, that could be another 20-point scoring bump. Same way we saw similar thing from Gab Pound at Carlton last year. We really just don't know. And it's going to have to be watch and wait. And just based on the fact that we don't know going into even now, it's probably going to be an upgrade target if you're going to pick anybody and probably not someone in your starting squad. Speaking about the preseason stuff, given that Port are playing the Bombers, Liam, you're highly likely going to go to that game out at the hangar. Um, hopefully you can go and get us some extra insights on how they're looking together. Like that's definitely the plan. Now, whether or not I want to share it with everybody who's not willing to trek it out to Essendon Airport, <laughs> hey, that's your funeral. I could be armed with some of the best fantasy knowledge around and you're just going to have to wait on me to maybe spill a few beans here or there. But yeah, the, the preseason game for these for these expansion clubs are going to be massive. I think it's almost advantageous that Port Adelaide's going to hit another expansion side, so they're not necessarily going to be overawed by a team filled to the brim with AFLW experience. I definitely think it's going to be uh, helpful, and we're probably going to get a much better picture. But right now, unknown completely. Yeah. So moving on to the midline then, I know there's a few people here that we're quite interested in, but Jono, before we go from a fantasy perspective, why don't you just run us through who we've actually got lined up in the mid? Yeah, they've done some excellent recruiting, Port Adelaide, and I'm excited to talk through some of the players they've got here. So I suppose they've brought in a lot of contested ball winners. So we're expecting Maria Maloney, Jackie Austin, Hannah Dunn, to be running in as that core contested ball unit. Then you've got a few players like Ebony O'Day, who has that inside experience but might be pushed out to a wing since she can often, you know, I suppose, provide a bit of run. And other players that might be on that wing as well, we're not quite sure at this stage, Kate Sermon, Justine Mules, Hannah Ewings, and Maggie McLaughlin. There is one very significant name that I haven't mentioned there in Erin Phillips because I don't think for the moment that she's going to be starting in the midfield. We might get to her a little bit later, though, because some of these contested ball winners offer a lot of value. So, Liam, do you want to tell us a little bit about Jackie Yorston? Jackie Yorston is someone I'm definitely considering owning, particularly if the CBAs there are there in the preseason. She's going to be super fantasy relevant in my mind. She's someone who didn't necessarily get a lot of mid-minutes at Gold Coast last season. That's probably down to the fact that Gold Coast rolled a lot of bodies through their midfield and in particular draftee Charlie Rowbottom. But then they were also running with, you know, the Hampson Howarth Whitfoot combination through the middle. But she's someone who'll be priced at 41, but has previous average of 65 in 2020. 
And really importantly, she's someone who's averaged seven tackles a game when she's played as a ruck rover. Now, it's something we've talked about a fair bit on other episodes, but the advent of a little bit more cold weather football, we think we'll see a bump in stoppages, which will result in a bump in tackles. Someone who can be a decent-sized body in the midfield and the expansion side that'll probably be trying to congest things so they don't get blown off the park. Yeah, I think she she definitely sounds like the full package and it's has just been sent to the wrong destination previously because he was sitting behind a few guns in that Gold Coast midfield. And I'm I'm really excited to see in a port where she's kind of taking that first run, particularly this last season. Like if you were behind Charlie Rowbottom in that midfield, there's no contested ball left to be had. Yeah, it was very much Charlie would stand there, get the ball, pass it out. No uncontested possessions whatsoever. It really did diminish anyone's capability to uh, to do anything there, but also just you know limited opportunities. So I think Yorston is probably the one who has the best potential price increase in my mind based on the role and the type of game she's played, just not last season, but the season before. Yeah, she kind of fits into that bucket of, like we said earlier with the expansion clubs, you're either going to come in and benefit from having less guns around you and really excel. And so it sounds like she's one that we should be watching for that purpose and see if she can really come into her own while she's cheaply priced at the beginning. Yeah, that kind of leads nicely into another player who's done the same thing. As I heard you're keen on Hannah Dunn. Do you want to chat us through why you're uh, why that's the case? Hannah Dunn, a really interesting player. Good AFLW experience. I'm really interested to see what her role is going to be coming into this season. She averaged 34 in last year's AFLW season and coming from the state perspective, an average of 34. So it's a little bit below average what we would like. But, I mean, there's ample potential for growth in that Port Adelaide side. There's ample opportunities for new roles. So one that I'll be watching a little closely. And another one that's probably also flying under the radar that I really like is Abby Dowrick as well, too. She's put up some really good numbers from a state perspective. I've not known a lot about her because she's coming in as a 19-year-old, but some of the performances she's been able to put up in the Waffle and in the Sandhill have been absolutely outstanding. In round 11 against South Fremantle, she put up a 27-possession game and was absolutely dominant. Um, and in the Sandhill, to her average, was uh, 81 from an AFL fantasy point of view. So one that I'm really keen on there as well, too, from a midfield perspective. Question for you then on that. On both Sarah Black's proposed best 21 and Free Kick's proposed best 21, we've got her on the interchange. Do you think that mm. she's going to be starting? Like, is this one that we hopefully will get a first game or someone that we might bring in later? And where is she on I... your best 21, I should ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, at the moment I do I have her, <laughs> have her either on the interchange or, or in the midfield. I'm not entirely sure just yet because... Again, it's just going to be a matter of waiting to see what happens in these practice matches to really hone and lock that in. But I, I think she's got a huge amount of upside. She comes in with some great experience from uh, the Waffle and Sandful, and her game stats are pretty phenomenal compared to her, her summer wreck compatriots as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition in that midfield, especially with um, you know the likes, as we mentioned, Hannah Dunn, Justin Mules. But there's still a lot of inexperience there as well, too. So just like with defence, the midfields, there's four players that have AFLW experience and four that don't. So there's still a lot of give and take there and still a lot of opportunity for players to be able to take those spots. I think Abby Dowrick's going to be one that will be um, really gunning for a spot in that on-field. Another one that we might want to chat about who could potentially roll through the CBAs or maybe just sit out on a wing who does come with some AFLW experience, and that's Aliso Day from Collingwood. She's someone who's averaged pretty poorly in the past, but someone who's priced at a 30 doesn't need to be an elite midfielder if they have CBAs to average 50 or 60 points. She's definitely one to watch and just to kind of keep on your radar. Now, it may not be that she gets CBAs to begin the season. It might be just a progression and a change of roles. But I think the key thing that you probably want to take away from this section of the podcast is there's a lot of names to just store away in the back of your head. They might not be in your starting side, but they're probably going to be upgrade targets from your rookies, particularly those rookies that you see needing to cash out really early in the season. So rounds three and four, 
these kind of players where they might still be priced at 45, 50 points, but still have potential to go up an extra 10. And you know that their role is locked in as a CBA hogger in that midfield. Definitely going to be players that you need to be thinking about all throughout this midfield. I don't mind O'Day just on the basis that if they do end up going with a bit of a slower game style, one that's trying to prioritize a bit more accuracy and, and kicking it around the ground, she can take a good mark. And that's, that's a, a hard skill to acquire. So that really helps you push the scoring up a little bit easier. Just, just before we move on from the midfielders, I think the question I want to ask everyone is, if you're Hannah Arnell, do you give Erin Phillips CBAs? She is starting midfielder for you. I suspect that she will she won't be getting too many CBAs. I think that she'll be primarily used up in the forward line and to really really lock that down as a bit of a general. There may become a chance where her CBAs increase if they need her to come in to just provide some bit of st- extra stability and experience and a bit of more leadership in that sector. But I think early on, I wouldn't be uh, holding up too many uh, CBAs. Yeah, her experience up forward would be so, so important because what she could provide there, talking to a lot of players this season, it seems like attack, you know, getting that scoreboard pressure on has been the focus of a lot of teams. If you're coming into the comp, you don't want to come in with a defensive mindset. You want to come in and and attack the game as much as possible. So I would have thought at least in the early rounds, we're going to be seeing up forward. Yeah, I imagine if you brought in one of the best, you want to be using them and um get some of those more junior players to get that experience around the CBAs and help build them up as the season goes. As a potential devil's advocate here. To your own question. Yep, to my own question. (laughs) Well, you guys have all taken one position. Someone else has got to argue for the old thing. Go for it. We've talked about the fact that half of their midfield is not particularly filled with experienced AFLW bodies. And then you've got one of the most elite talents to kind of ever come through the game who's a good-sized midfielder, has played as a chop-out midfielder and a forward for most of the last three years at Adelaide. Surely you would just want to completely supplant that role and put her in doing the same thing at Port Adelaide. Because if you give too many minutes to young players at the beginning of the season, I reckon they'll get smacked around. And Mm. that becomes very disheartening. You might end up with a situation like Richmond in their first season where they won no games. And that's really demoralizing and can set back your club a fair a fair distance. I just don't see them going, we need you to kick goals. So we're not going to play you in the role that you've played in for a while now. And you've mm-hmm. shown the ability to dominate irrespective of fantasy. I don't think she'll be a permanent mid, but I still think she rolls through 30 to 40% of the time just to kind of give some stability to that. I have a follow-up question there for you, for you, Liam. Rip Perry is now obviously missing this season. Is that going to impact or is that going to negate Aaron Phillips's CBAs? And they're going to be using it more for because they've lost somebody like Britt Perry. Yeah, I think the loss of Britt Perry probably doesn't help. It probably means that it's going to have a hard cap. But I also think that having someone like Gemma Horton, who has shown the ability to be a, a key dominant forward and kick bags of goals when given the opportunity, I don't think it's a situation where Aaron Phillips is naturally or most likely to be their highest goal scorer, even if they did have Britt Perry and they were rolling her predominantly through the midfield or just sitting her forward all the time. I still see Gemma Horton being the leading goal scorer on this team. So as a result, I don't think they're necessarily beholden to Aaron Phillips being a mm-hmm. forward all the time. You did bring up a good point, Liam, kind of like the Richmond trap. Wait, there's no point having a, an amazing forward if you can't even get it into the forward half, um, if your mid's not doing pretty well, so kind of <laughs> works both ways. I would suggest that Aaron Phillips is going to be the highest goal scorer on the ground, no matter where she plays. I mean, what she did last season in the midfield of Adelaide, that was, that was phenomenal. But I, I just don't see it because I think Hannah Dunn and Justine Mules are going to provide that leadership in the midfield. You know, they've been appointed to the, the leadership group and they're going to be doing a lot of things up there and getting, uh, particularly Hannah Dunn's going to be in that midfield all year. So I would have thought that that's one that, at least to start with, is, is one that you would you would rely on. And then you can try, just try and have Erin Phillips starting on a half forward line where she's close enough to run in if maybe it'll be centre bounces that she'll miss out on, but stoppages around the ground, at least you know between the arcs, she might push up a little bit. I think the, the loss of another forward in Britt Perry is probably not going to help my case, but I still think it's quite likely she spends time through the midfield. I do, otherwise, I just think it's not to say it's a waste, but 
Aaron Phillips is an elite ball winner. You want to run the ball as often as possible. You put them in at CBAs. I think it's a very simple analysis in that respect. And then good for us from a fantasy perspective if she's listed as a forward and then getting all those CBAs. Would you would you cough up for her though? No, too expensive. I think I have a general rule in fantasy. If a player is over 30 years of age, it's hard to bring them in. And Aaron Phillips is is a little bit past that as well. So mm, why? What's the background to that? I guess it's, you know, they've had such a long time in the league to sort of showcase their experience and and have their best years, you know. And it's not so much that you can have a player who turns 33 who has a bump a year. We've seen it a couple of times. It's just trying to pick the year that that's going to happen feels really unlikely, particularly when you want to get value in every player that you pick. So, And it's also um, interesting to know, too, given that Aaron Flips, she's not going to be really one that you're going to be wanting to bang on because you, at that sort of average of around the 75 mark, you're going to be wanting to get a uber premium. And I don't think she's really going to fall into that category, unfortunately. So she's a no for me. Almost better than if she uh, doesn't get the CBAs because then they can go to someone else if we're not going to bring her in. <laughs> don't let those points go That's away. That's true. Or alternatively, Erin Phillips being in there as the first person to touch the ball means that other players will have a chance to get more possessions. Otherwise, I envisage a lot of the ball going in the opposite direction. Erin <laughs> Phillips this year, from a fantasy perspective, is that she gets listed as a forward. She spends the first half of the year in the forward line not doing so much, moves gets into cheap. the midfield at a cheap price, dominates for the rest of the season. That would be the dream upgrade target halfway. Well, I might have some uh, insights on that. Please do not quote me on this. Uh, but too late. You've already you're been on quoted. a podcast. You're on, you're, I'm, I'm already <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Tweeting. Let him let him say it first. <laughs> from, so, from from my understanding, there will be a few changes in terms of position this year. So, unlike last season, where if you had you're a midfield forward, if you're a midfield defender, if you're a ruck forward, your primary position was where you were at. That given that there were so many midfield forwards, midfield defenders, there was a huge log jam in the midfield. My understanding is that going into this new season of AFLW Fantasy, they will look to that secondary position a bit more to even out the lines a bit. So in the likes of Eric Phillips, I would say that there is a strong likelihood, given she is a mid-forward, that she'll be listed as a forward in the AFLW fantasy season this season. Mm, that's just music to my ears right there. If she's listed as a forward, she'll almost certainly be a top five forward come into season. That'll be something that'll definitely change our perspective of whether we pick her or not too. Because as I mentioned, that as a midfielder, if she does get listed as that, probably not for me. But if she does have it listed as a forward, then you have to have those talks and consideration where you pick her given her average and her performances previous seasons. Is this a nice segue into talking about some of the other forwards? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So in the forward line, who do we have here to pick from? There are a few players in the Port Adelaide forward line. Obviously, we've just talked through Aaron Phillips, who is one that I would expect to be up there to start the season. But looking at it, I suppose, from a more structured perspective, you've got a couple key forwards that we are probably expecting to form the rest of this forward line around. Gemma Houghton has come across from the Fremantle Dockers and has a lot of experience there. Will probably be that that prime target going inside 50. Similarly from the Dockers, but not necessarily recently, Jade DeMello was one who uh, a couple of seasons ago was playing for the Dockers, has jumped back to the SANFLW, but is coming up to play at Port Adelaide. So those will probably be the, the key two targets along with key forward Julie Teekle. Surrounding them, look, it gets a little bit challenging there. Who are going to be the Port Adelaide small forwards? We've got one of the Cockatoo Motlap twins coming in there, as well as Hannah Ewings as, as one that we expect to start inside 50 if, if she's not on the wing. Hannah Ewings came in as the first draft pick ever for Port Adelaide and has been playing in the Sandful W, I believe, now, I don't want to be quoted here because we have an expert on state league scores here with us. I believe she's been playing this since she was 15. So this is someone with a lot of experience against more mature bodies as a midfielder slash forward. Typically, we've talked about for a lot of other teams targeting players, even from the expansion clubs who spent four or five years playing at a VFLW level and then coming in and therefore being more mature. Someone who's played Sandful W 
since they were 15 and is now coming in as a very high draft pick. She's potential must-own. And I would echo those sentiments. Yeah, Hannah Ewings is an incredible performer and she has been for quite a number of years. Was one of the more dominant players at the under-18 championships levels as well. And just for your listeners, I might have those stats on hand as well too. Across her games, she averaged 90.7 AFLW fantasy points, which is pretty extraordinary given that there weren't too many that went over 90 in that whole uh, competition average as well. For From a Sandville point of view, Looking at the last season, 2022, average of 85.6 there from a fantasy perspective, 62 in 2021. And then if you go back to 2020, given that it is a bit of a shortened season, hard to get a bit of a grasp on there, but Ewing's averaged 56.5 in that season. So even then, someone who's well underage, averaging over 50 in a proper competition, that is perfect in my eyes. Now, the question for everyone here is given she'll be quite highly priced, given she went at pick three, she went very highly, so she'll be quite expensive. Is she someone that we're all going to want to have in our team or are we going to prioritize someone like Ella Roberts? Uh, look, I mean, it's a good question. I would have, I probably want to start with both, to be honest. I think we've talked about Ella Roberts before, but if she's averaging 90, you're not going to do that. I don't think we can expect anything like that from her because my understanding is she was playing inside midfielder last year in the at the state level and she's probably going to be in the half forward line. Do, do you think that she'll get any minutes in that midfield? Your guess is as good as mine, but if you take someone pick three who's spent a good several years playing as an inside midfielder, you're probably going to want to see them play some midfield minutes. Now, whether or not that's permanent midfield, given the relative inexperience they've got in there. Otherwise, I doubt it, but I don't necessarily think we need to know that she's going to get CBAs to make it worthwhile pick. It's probably just going to be a case of, we know you can score in the past and you may get a chance in the midfield. That's probably enough to go on. Yeah, I think she'd almost be one to bring in your starting squad, uh, kind of like John I said, <laughs> can I just have both? Because there's, I feel like there's a high chance that she's going to do well and go up in price. And so she's someone that could get you some cash gen no matter what she starts as just because she's coming in so cheap. Now, I think the only thing here is do we know whether or not she's played enough kind of forward in her junior and Sanford W career to mean that she may get listed as a forward? Because I think then that probably Mm. drives a lot of the discussion because we know that there are going to be other rookie Pice players at expansion clubs who are going to be guaranteed midfield minutes like Montana Ham, someone like Alana Barber or Amelia Radford at Essendon. They're all players who are guaranteed to be there. Do we think she gets forward status? I would say that it's unlikely. As much as we would we would like it, I suspect that she probably hasn't done enough. Each, yes, you're right. She did play some passages and plays forward throughout the Sandville and throughout the um, under-18, but I, I suspect it's not enough. That being said, I know we've just mentioned Ella Roberts before. I would be thinking she could be a forward, and if that's the case, that would be my um, number one rookie. Um, rookie pick from the forward line with Hannah Ewing probably second behind Montana Ham in the um, midfield. Looking back at some of the other players then in the port forward line who will be listed as forwards, we've actually got a couple key forwards that have both come from Fremantle, though, at different times of their careers. You've got Gemma Houghton, who is going to be the the key cog up forward for them, probably playing out of full forward, but also Jade DeMello, who is a bit more of a, a mature edge option with, she had some previous AFLW experience with the Dockers, but uh, wasn't wasn't coming directly from there. Do either of those appeal to you guys? I mean, I know, I know Houghton last season uh, was a little bit down, I suppose, in terms of fantasy output. Um, I think she was averaging close to 60 just-unders in, in previous seasons gone by, but at the start of this year was down in the you know high 40s. Is there a little bit of upside there? Yeah, I think the, the problem with, with trying to pick a key forward in an expansion side is the potential that there are very few opportunities to be taking marks. You don't even necessarily need to look at expansion sides. You just need to look at the sides that are struggling the most in any AFLW season to know that if they're in that team and they're there as a key forward, if the ball's not going in a large amount of the time, it's going to be hard to really give you big scores on your fantasy team. So even if Gemma was able to, you know, kick some bags here or there, I don't see the ball spending enough time down there to make it worth your while from a fantasy perspective. I'm probably going to disagree with you because, I mean, last season we were watching Bonnie Toogood play at the Bulldogs and the work that she did in transitioning that ball up forward, she was pumping out very, very solid scores from someone in a team that didn't make the top six at the end of the season. 
I think the difference there is Bonnie Too Good is in a side at the Western Bulldogs who aren't bereft of talent and they weren't kind of hampered by the same inexperience across the ground. Like they've still got some very good forwards up there and some excellent midfielders. I don't see that being the same role. I think of it more. The difference that I see, and I understand that if you're going right down to the bottom, you've got clubs who don't necessarily have that key forward who's scoring, is that if I'm Gemma Houghton at Fremantle, I've got the best defender on me every week. If I'm Gemma Houghton at Port Adelaide, does the best defender go to her or do they go to Aaron Phillips? That's a very good question. Because even though Freya were doing well, in like opposition to your theory, Liam, where if you're in a team that's not doing well, don't pick a full forward role. Even though Freya were doing quite well uh, in season six, yeah, she had some some really good scores, but she also had some fairly low scores as well. So maybe that doesn't really come into play here as much. She's I also got a very it- high ceiling. I just think it's a problem where it doesn't matter what defender you have on you. If the ball isn't there, it doesn't matter. Gemma Houghton wasn't necessarily getting the best defender every week either. You could have had any of the Antonios. They had Roxy Rue looking like a great forward through periods of last year and was getting the best defender at times. Like I get what you're saying, but I just think it's a lack of opportunity and it wasn't like she was just sitting on the elite of the elites, the Millers, the Allens the Lutkins in previous seasons. I just don't think that that's going to be worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your original theory that bringing in a full forward in an expansion team is a bit too risky. <laughs> so I actually agree with you. I'm just winding you up. I'm not very hard to wind up. <laughs> I'm never one to have, be short of an opinion on things. Yeah, Jim Houghton, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, we all know from playing many years of AFL fantasy that key forwards aren't necessarily great fantasy picks. So... I'll be a bit hesitant on Gemma Houghton, but it'll re- you know, really depend on how the first few weeks sort of pan out for her again. There's, as we kept, have mentioned time and time before, there's two, there's a lot of unknowns in a, this new expansion side. So I think somebody like Gemma Houghton will be somebody that I'll target later on if um, she does start to you know kick quite a few bags and start to dominate from a fantasy point of view. So I won't necessarily be starting with it, but I will keep my eye on it. That lesson of probably don't pick key forwards in the AFLM doesn't translate necessarily as straight across. Like we saw the kind of player that Taylor Harris and Tara Bohana were as fantasy scorers, averaging as top 10 forwards. They're effectively key forwards and key position players who can still be inside the top 10, which for the AFLM, that's a much rarer occurrence. You've only got your Revolts and your Franklins. I think I agree with Azra by the end of it. Just keep an eye on Gemma Horton. She's probably going to have a lot of opportunities her way if they do get the ball inside 50. Just watch and wait. Uh, Is there anything exciting in the ruck space here? This one's got you excited? Look, it's a rookie price ruck, and we all know that I'm a two-rookie ruck guy. I think that's where all the value is in AFLW fantasy, and I'm I'm all for it. So we've got McGrath, who I believe has played some uh, Sandville W. As if you got some uh, stats to give her on uh, on the graph. VFLW, but I'll let that slide. Oh, oh my lord! Oh, binned it again. <laughs> but seventy three point eight was her um, average across the uh, VFLW season. So there's a lot to look for there from a fantasy point of view, especially if she is going to be rookie price. So I'm with you on that train, Liam. I we really hoping that she takes that number one ruck mantle. So as you said, she's got a high average up in the 70s from VFLW. How many games is that across though? Like has she got a good amount of experience or is it a the one game 104 average? <laughs> and look, there is a there is a few players that um that have that have that stat. Um and, you know, Ant Foley only played one game the Sandford last year for 104, so her averages are four. But um <laughs> what can what can you really read into that, say? But uh no look <laughs> McGrath, on the other hand, does have a, a lot of experience. So I'm looking at there. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 VFL games. So even just looking at the fans' um, scores from the VFLW there, playing for North Melbourne, there's a score that, there's a lot of scores over 60, which we love to see. A lot of hitouts. Um, she, you know, she's averaging nigh on over 30 hitouts a game, which is just incredible from a fantasy point of view. And then bringing that up with a lot of disposals as well too. So she was averaging over 10 disposals as well with her hit out. So I am really hoping that uh, Eliza McGrath does get that number one ruck position and is in round one because, yes, she is very well locked in 
to my side, along with Fleur Davies as well, too, I know, who's another favourite of Liam's as well. I think this is going to be one of the key things to watch when the Bombers and Port Adelaide play in their preseason game. This is probably going to be the key battle because they're both going to come into the VFLW experience. Who looks like the better ruck of the two of them will probably be the player that I bring in. Like, to be perfectly honest, I'll watch that game. Whoever passes the eye test is the player that I'll bring in. And then we don't need to go to the game. We can just watch and see what you do and learn from your insights. Oh, but so I don't know if I'm necessarily going to do that. I Maybe I'll change it at the last minute. So for those of it, I don't know if it's been discussed on the pod before, but Jono and I, by pure happenstance, ended up with the same team to begin last season, even though we stopped talking just a little bit before the season started in the hope that we would end up with a different team because we just talked too much about our teams to each other. So Maybe, maybe you'll know who I'm going to pick, or maybe I'll be really cagey about it. I won't mention any stats, and I'll just say they're both terrible and you shouldn't pick either of them. Going back to Rucks for a second, someone like McGrath definitely needs to be someone that you want to have past the eye test. If you can watch the game at all, I would be watching that Essendon-Port Adelaide game just to see how those two Rucks go. One or both could be in your side, because I think that... Even if they're a bit underdone by AFLW standards, I see a rookie ruck who can come in and have 20, 30 hit outs a game as getting a 35 or 40 average, which from your rookies is great. That's at least 20, 25 points upside. Perfect. That's four or five weeks in your team, maybe six, and then you flick them and then you go with whatever strategy you want from there. Any parting comments before we wrap up? I have nothing else to add because I'm very uncertain. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think it's driven a lot by the uncertainty that we've got. This is a side with a lot of experienced players, but from a fantasy perspective, not a players that we've seen have really high averages in the past. It's not like at Essendon where we have we know that Matty Presparkas is a gun and a fantasy elite player or like Hawthorne where they've picked up Tilly Lucas-Rod, who was one of the hottest players to end last year. Port Adelaide has the problem where their superstar is kind of a fading star in that perspective from fantasy. So it's really defined by its its uncertainty. Seems a seems a harsh way to describe a legend of the game, right there. Okay, a fading well, star. Jono, Jono, you said you weren't going to pick anyone who's older. I'm than not going to pick them. And I'm the one who's giving them legend. stick. Oh my god. Okay, Erin Phillips <laughs> is a gun, but she's not yeah. like the same player she was four years ago, and when she was just you know a W award winner as a walk up starter, right? Like it, it's they're, they're different gone, players. It's a team that's gone with. Uh, forward superstars rather than focusing on the midfield. And that's going to be really interesting to me because I I sort of see it slightly different. I think it's going to be harder for us to work out, but I'm a big believer in market share. Someone in the Port Adelaide midfield is going to have to get the ball and whoever that is, is going to get a lot of it compared to what they've done in previous seasons. So there is, there is a, a diamond in the rough somewhere in Port Adelaide's midfield. It's just figuring out, is it going to be Hannah Dunn? Is it going to be Jackie Austin? I have no idea at this point, and I'm really keen to see them in the preseason. Yeah, look, I mean, we've covered quite a lot here, and, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, great insights that we'll take out of the uh, practice match that happens next weekend that'll form a a lot of uh, our opinions and what that starting 21 looks like. Uh, I think there's probably a couple of other players that we haven't really touched on that you can also keep an eye on. The two draftees. Sarah Goodwin and Sachi Syme as well, too, uh, were really dominant in the Sandfall and also in the under-18 champs. So Sarah Goodwin uh, averaged 84.9 in the State League and 73.7 in the under-18 champs. And, and Sachi Syme, who uh, could be used as a midfield forward as well, averaged 68 um, uh, in the State League and 79 under the under-18 champs. So another fantastic performer to look out for. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on starting any of them? We're sort of um, blessed, I suppose, because we've got so many new um, players coming into the system that there will be a lot of value across the board because the expansion sides haven't not only drawn from the draft or from other AFL clubs, but they've also drawn from uh, other state leagues as well too. And those players that come from other interstate state leagues, it'll be really interesting to see what some of those players are going to be priced at because I dare say that there are going to be a few gems to be found there. Uh, but to answer your question in terms of Sarah Goodwin and Satchasine, uh Sarah Goodwin is probably very much on my radar as a defender. Satchasine probably not so much be- just because of the uh, sheer volume that we're going to have midfield forward rookies. 
I was really hoping you would say uh, watch and see or wait and see there because I feel like as, as we get to the end of our 18 clubs in 18 days kind of thing, if uh, our avid listeners had a dollar for every time we've said that about a player, <laughs> they'd be feeling pretty rich right now. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's, it is something that I, I, I do say is, you know, watch this space or watch this player. <laughs> so fully across that as well. So I'm sure that uh, the amount of times that I've said it in my life too, be making someone a millionaire just one final question then for for everybody if you could name one player from Port Adelaide who's most likely to be in your side in round one who would it be I think for me it would probably be Hannah Dunn yeah look I'll I'll I'll, I'll kick off next so I think um I've you know talked her up a little bit I know that uh she's definitely one that I am looking forward to hopefully seeing in Port Adelaide side come round one and that is Elizabeth McGrath Oh, bummer. I was hoping you were going to say Foley and then I could say McGrath. Um, <laughs> you, could, you can also have McGrath. It's not pretty many. It's not, I mean, there's, it's not a draft league. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to... Aaron gonna Phillips is a forward. Pardon? Oh, there we go. That's Aaron a controversial Phillips is a forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, we might leave it there. Oh, uh, you weren't going to ask me who I want? Oh, sorry, Liam. <laughs> I'll take Jackie Yorston. Thanks, thanks for asking. That's lovely of you. Yeah, keep going. I, th- I think we've gathered in this podcast that your opinions are not really too valued. Either. <laughs> exactly. I come armed with so many. And if you have one, so you're just gonna, you're going to say it anyway. We don't need to ask you. Well, we might leave it there. <laughs> thanks for listening to our Port Adelaide Expansion Club overview. I'm Mel, and you can find me on Instagram at HiMelD. I'm Liam, and you can find me on Twitter at LMTom1. Uh, I'm Jono, and you can find me on Twitter at Odds and Stephen. And I'm Azza, and you can find me on Twitter at Jewel. And you've been listening to a Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, and we're also on the socials as at FreeKickWPod. Stay tuned for lots more really exciting stuff coming from us as we continue to chat strategies and lines and clubs before the season starts. Thanks for listening. See you, everybody. Thanks, guys.